Good morning, Cornerstone. My name is Jeff Noonan. That's a powerful video for me because I lost two of my friends. And it's very sobering when you see some boots sitting there with a rifle stuck in those boots representing two people that you served with for a long time. So that's a great video. But uh, I'm, I'm privileged to be here with you this morning. Again, my name is Jeff Noonan. I'm one of the elders here at Cornerstone. And I have been asked to share a little bit about my biggest moment with you uh, this morning. And this weekend, not only Memorial Day for me, but a weekend that I saw my eldest daughter, McKenna, graduate high school. And I don't know if, is there any other high school graduates here this morning? If you are, would you please stand so we could recognize you? They may be sleeping in too. I know mine's sleeping in. She's going to be in the next service. But all I could remember at this high school graduation that I went to was my little, little girl that I took to kindergarten. And Lindsay, my wife, who's over here in the, the children's nursery, uh, we remember taking her to the kindergarten this, this uh, one horrible day for us when she was five. We take her into the classroom. We think, she's not ready for this. Because she was only four. She wasn't quite five, but we were like, okay, she's really smart. We're going to take her. She's going to do really well. You know, she's going to excel. So we took her to kindergarten and we regretted that, you know, because we weren't ready. So we're standing in this classroom with other parents. We're crying. And my oldest daughter, who is very, very independent, if you know her, she went like this. Okay. You can go now. Literally. I'm not kidding. She looked at us. She says, okay, I'm, I'm good. You can leave now. And so we were like, okay, you know, and we we just turned around and left. But, you know, that was a very momentous occasion with uh, for us. So this last Friday when she walked that aisle, I have four, and I told my wife when it comes to my littlest one, Annie, I'm going to be a blubbering mess when that happens because that's it for us, you know, and then we're going to have to start adopting and have foster care and at least maybe maybe then we'll have grandkids. But I want to talk to you about this morning some of my biggest moments. And over the last, um, or over my life, I have been a public servant for 24 years. I was in the United States Army. I've served in law enforcement. And over the last 24 years, God has given me plenty of moments, big moments in my life, where he has made it very clear to me that he was influencing my life and moving me forward in the direction that he wanted to go. And I think that's true for all of us. But in law enforcement, I have needed certain leaders that have come into my life to point me in the right direction, to keep my mind right. It was true in the military. It was also true in law enforcement. I've, I've been with the sheriff's office for almost 20 years, and I can say at each time in my life, God has put someone there to help me move forward to help me at least know what the right decisions were. Whether I chose to do it or not, that was kind of up to me. But I needed a leader that would cheer me on and pick up that two-by-four and hit me in the back of the head when I made a wrong decision. And so for me, in 1999, I was a homicide detective. I had 16 homicides assigned to me. That was my caseload. Some of them were cold cases. A lot of them were active. But in that year, in 1999, we had 14 homicides that year. And I remember my sergeant and his name, and some of you may know him because he actually was a church planter. He's an ordained minister, ordained pastor in the Baptist Association. Yes, I'm a recovering Baptist. Um, <laughs> 
But his name is Ted Simons, and he was my sergeant. And I remember we were heading out one early morning to go investigate a a double homicide. A homicide where two people were killed and they were buried in the desert in Wickenburg. And we were going down the spars. And if you know this man, you know that he knows two speeds. That's stop and go really fast. So we were going down the spars, and I was getting a little queasy, you know, as uh, as a passenger. But I remember this vividly, because as we would often do, we would start talking about our faith and what it really meant for us to love Jesus Christ and live for Christ. Well, I was growing in my faith. I was not as mature as Ted Simons, and he had been in law enforcement a long time. And so I made the mistake. I I don't think it was necessarily a mistake. I kind of felt like it was a mistake at that point in time. But I had made a comment because as I was growing, there was these big words like predestination, sovereignty, you know, foreordained and whatnot. And as we were going down these spars and he was making me sick, I said, yeah, you know, I'm not really sure about the all foreordained and predetermined thing. And he looked at me as he was driving He pulled over on the spars, put it in park, and reached between the seats and pulled out a Bible. And he was going to school me a little bit. Now, we were going to a homicide, and you would think that in our minds, we needed to know, okay, what resources we're going to bring, who's coming with us, who we're going to interview first, what are we doing here, you know? He was like, no, 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 no. That is all second compared to what you just said, young man. (laughs) So he pulled out the, his Bible, and he shared this with me. He opened up to Ephesians chapter 1, and he said this. He says, let me just share this with you, Jeff, because this, if you get anything else right in your life, your walk with Christ always has to be centered, and you always have to focus on him. And everything else will fall into place, right? So Ephesians chapter 1, he says, Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ himself, according to the kind intention of his will to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed us. Um, Excuse me, go back just a second. That he freely bestowed upon us in the beloved. So I was a little speechless. (laughs) I thought to myself, okay, obviously I need to study a little bit more. If, If Christ is really the center of my life, I need to be studying. I need to be in the Word a little bit more than I am. But he was the leader that I needed. He was the great leader that that made me realize, listen, I'm going to bring you along a little bit, and I'm going to make sure that your focus is not this job. He was the one that would come into my office, you know, when it was 7 o'clock at night, and I had new kids at home, McKenna. McKenna was about this big. Now she's graduated, of course. But he would come into my office. He said, Jeff, why are you still here? He said, I'm here because my kids are are gone. But why are you still here? And he would tell me this. I promise you, I promise you it will be here in the morning for you. (laughs) So he, he helped me get my mind right. But one thing I would like to communicate you this morning is that God desires for you to become more holy each and every day of your life. 
He wants you to move towards Christ as much as you can each and every day of your life. He wants your faith and your commitment to him to grow stronger and stronger each day of your life. And he's going to place people in front of you to help you do that. And he's going to use you as you grow to help others do that. And that's what I would like to communicate with you today. But what is leadership? When we talk about godly leaders in our lives, what does that mean? What is leadership? Well, I believe that leadership, just like the ones placed before me, is influence. Is influence. And the the godly leaders that we look to as children of Christ are those people that when we look at their life, the character, the integrity of their life is what we want to model ourselves after. So we have to look to those people. That's leadership. But what is the ultimate standard? What's the standard? Christ is our model. Christ is the standard. If you would open up your Bibles this morning to Matthew chapter 4, verse 18, I want you to look at the standard. And I love this scripture. And we we look at this scripture and we tie it into the Great Commission and, and everything else. But I want to look at this passage. And I want to look at what Christ told us as he calls upon us. Matthew chapter 4 verse 18. Now as Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon who was called Peter and Andrew his brother casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Have you ever wondered why he chose Peter and Andrew, or why he chose any of the disciples, why he chose Paul? I believe, as I read these the the 12, and I read about Paul, I believe he called them because they were ordinary folks. They were not high priests. They were not great theologians. They were not great orators. In fact, if you actually study the word and you look at who Paul was, I think the the scripture kind kind of describes Paul as not much to look at. He's not a great speaker. But Paul is the one that Christ knocked to the ground And said, why are you persecuting me? And he had great plans for Paul. Just like he has great plans for us. I personally, I like Peter. Because I kind of identify with Peter. If you know anything about Peter, you know that he is the apostle with a foot-shaped mouth. Have you ever heard it described that way? The apostle with a foot-shaped mouth. Well, that's kind of me at work. I'm the captain with the foot-shaped mouth. All too often I say things that I shouldn't be saying, or I wear my emotions on my sleeve. I try to do what's right, and I'm very vocal about that, and sometimes that gets me in trouble. Just like it got Peter in trouble. If you remember Matthew chapter 16, when Jesus is asking them, who do they say that I am? He also goes on a little bit, a little bit later, and he starts to describe that he's going to go to Jerusalem. That he's going to have to suffer greatly. And that he's going to be put to death and he's going to be raised on the third day. What does Peter say? Peter, now this would be the apostle with the foot-shaped mouth. And this is described on and on in scripture many, many times. The apostle with the foot-shaped mouth grabbed Jesus, took him aside and rebuked Jesus. 
rebuked him. And what does Jesus say? Get behind me, Satan, for you are a stumbling block to me. That's how I feel sometimes. I feel like a stumbling block because I know what I should be doing. I have people that are showing me what I should be doing. But I feel like the apostle with the foot-shaped mouth. And I feel like a stumbling block sometimes. And that's okay. Because look what Christ did through Peter. Just like what he can do through us. That's why I think that he picked who he picked. Because he picked some high priest or he picked some great theologian. That would give them the opportunity to boast. But he picks you and he picks me. So we don't boast. It's all focused on him. It's all about Christ. Our focus is him and him alone. They were perfectly ordinary. But the goal of the Christian life is the pursuit of sanctification, growing more and more like Christ. The goal of the Christian life and the pursuit of sanctification is simply reduced to the invitation, follow me. Follow me. If we follow Christ, he will make us fishers of men. He will make us into the person that he wants us to be, and he will use us for his glory. Christ is the model. He wants to lead us to paradise, and he uses godly leaders to accomplish this. He will use you. But that particular command, follow me, has not been approved upon or replaced, I believe, in the centuries that have followed. Follow Christ. What does the Apostle John say? If you belong to Christ, you abide in Christ. And then you ought to walk as Christ walked. That's our goal. In the eighth chapter of Paul's letter to Rome, it records for us that God, God's purpose in saving us is to conform us, conform us to the image of Christ. Make us fishers of men. Christ called us to be like him. John reminds us to be like him. The apostle Paul is in pain until he can be like him. That's because God's purpose in the beginning was that we become more and more like Christ, that perfect relationship. He wants us to conform and move closer to Christ because he doesn't want us to be wrapped up in the bondage that comes with the curse each and every day. He doesn't want us to walk in the flesh. He wants us to walk in the spirit and enjoy the blessings that come with that. That's his goal for us. A couple weeks ago, you heard Pastor Clovis speak about pressing on towards the goal, which is the likeness of Christ. We pursue it. We embrace it. We try to get there, but we're not going to get there until the glorification, until, until our passing. But that's what we press on towards. We press on as the race, and if you remember that video that we saw, the great video of the chariots of fire, I love that representation because if you have read Hebrews chapter 12, it talks about a great cloud of witnesses around us. A great cloud of witnesses. We have that great cloud of witnesses that... It outlines in the previous chapter on Hebrews chapter 11. Who are those clouds of witnesses that are cheering us on? Well, Hebrews chapter 11 talks about Noah, talks about Abraham, 
talks about these, these great influencers like Elijah that are cheering us on. Great clouds of witnesses. It's just like that video. And I think in my life, when I'm pressing on towards that goal, I'm running the race and I'm looking at my feet instead of pressing on and looking towards the goal and I stumble and I fall, those clouds of witnesses are telling me, hey, get up, get up, keep moving forward. When I'm headed to a homicide and I say something foolish like, well, I'm not really sure about the sovereignty of our Lord, the leader at the time in my life pulls to the side of the road and says, the homicide will wait. We'll get there when we get there. We need to study scripture right now because you're absolutely wrong. And let me show you where you're wrong. That's the cloud of witnesses in our life. Get up, move forward. Cheering us on as we move forward. And hitting us with a two-by-four when we stumble. Right? I think, I, I like, a couple weeks ago, I was in this auditorium. I'm the commander of the police academy. I had this place packed, and we were graduating 21 cadets up here. And their first day, we teach them to have a servant's heart. But I picture this auditorium, and I picture the people around you. Can you picture in your life an auditorium like this, where it's completely filled with those clouds of witnesses? The people that God has ordained in your life to be an example for you, to pick you up, cheer you on, dust you off, and move you forward. And then, if you need it, to hit you in the back of the head. I think that's the Holy Spirit in my life. I think that as we come forward here this morning, we have that all around us. We have that in this life. We just have to remember them cheering us on and saying, you know what? Get up, move forward. I have great things in store for you. You're mine. What does Christ say? Once you're mine, you're mine, and nothing can snatch you out of my hands. Nothing. And we're going to move forward together. And I'm going to put somebody in your life to help you do that. And he knows us better than we know ourselves. Does he not? And the leader for me may not be the leader for you. I needed somebody who was a homicide detective who could, I would respect and who could hit me on the back of the head, who would pull over the side of the road and teach me what was important. What's the most important thing in this life? And that's Christ. So what are the leaders in your life steering you toward? What are the leaders in your life steering you toward? We need to understand two things if we're going to become godly leaders and look for godly leaders in our own life. First, what is the standard for a godly leader? What is the standard for a godly leader? That standard is Jesus Christ. That standard is Jesus Christ. He is the one that we should be looking forward to. He is the one that when we invite leaders into our lives and we follow them, we put them up against him. We look for the character in their life and does it match moving forward. As Paul would say, to live as Christ, to die as gain. Our first and foremost mission above anything else is to live for Christ, accomplish his mission, glorify him, and keep pressing forward. And we need people in our lives that represent that and help us and encourage us to that fact. 
But if we are going to become more like Christ, we have to know who Jesus Christ is. We have to know who he is and what he represents, what he commands for us. And where do we go to find that out? Where do we go to find out who he is? We go to scriptures. We go right here. Do we not? Right here. I have these, it's, it's sometimes I think to myself, man, I have way too many Bibles and I spend way too much money on Bibles. I'm because I'm a, a cop with four kids and a wife on a salary of a cop. But I look around and I have these all over the place. I have two in my office. I have one in my tactical gear. When I put on my tactical gear, right in front, there's a little zipper, and I have a little Bible right there. That's what we need to be. This is our instruction manual. This is our guide that we hold everybody accountable to. Matthew chapter 16 again. Peter. When Christ said, who do they say that I am? Who do you say that I am? We need to immediately, immediately be the ones that say, you are the Christ, you are the son of the living God. And be able to take that forward. We get that from the leaders in our lives. We get that from studying his word and having the Holy Spirit envelop us each and every day. And then we move forward in this world. And then as we have leaders in our life, as we grow, our leaders change, right? And as we grow, you become leaders for someone else. You become that person who is growing. You become that mentor that God can use to spread his good news. But Christ is the focus of it all. The Old Testament sets a scene for him. The gospel records his arrival and the price that he paid for us. The book of Acts records the impact of that arrival, the beginning of the church, right? And the epistles delineate the significance of his life and ministry. And Revelation, well, that just is the culmination of everything, right? And that's what we hope for. But we study God's word so we might understand who he is. And I'd like to encourage you along that line. Study his word. Spend time in his word. Look for those leaders in your life. Model your life after those godly leaders. Remind yourself what you should be doing. And then be a leader for someone else. One of the great comforting truths Christ gave us is in John chapter 14, verse 1 through 7. It says, Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you, and I will come again to receive you to myself. I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. No one. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. I go to prepare a place for you. And he'll be back. Christ is the ultimate leader. Christ is the ultimate leader. That means he's the master over our lives. If you confess Jesus as Lord... 
What does that mean? What does Lord mean? That means master. That means he, he is all-encompassing in your life. He guides you. He protects you. He moves you forward. He places people in your path. And then he uses you for his glory. Not your glory. His glory. But see, God is after much more than just our study in the Word. God reveals Christ through Scripture so we can, we'll better understand the goal of our own living. The instructions are right here. Ephesians chapter 6, one of my favorite chapters. Right? I have it on the wall at home. I forget about it all the time. Because I'm not perfect. But Ephesians chapter 6, the whole armor of God. Right? Have you studied that? Have you studied what the whole armor of God means? Well, at the end of that, that chapter, in the, when he's talking about the whole armor of God, he talks about the sword of the Spirit. And what is the sword of the Spirit? The Word of God. Amen? The sword of the Spirit, that means that this is an offensive weapon. An offensive weapon. A sword is an offensive weapon. That means we unsheathe it, right? It's not just supposed to stay in the scabbard. You unsheathe that sword and you use it for every day of your life. It's an offensive weapon. I have to remember that. I think that unconsciously that's why I have Bibles around me wherever I go. If it's in my office, if it's in my tactical gear, if it's in my car, if it's in my house. But I learned that from one of the leaders God placed in front of me, and that was Ted Simons, because I had never had a Bible at work, never thought about it in my early goings until he pulled over the side of the road. I had no idea what he was doing. I was like, oh, I'm in trouble now. I don't know what I said, but obviously it was not good because he's going to rebuke me. He pulls over to the side of the road, and he goes between our seats. I had no idea it was there, and he pulls out a Bible. I'm thinking, man, that's what I should be doing right there. That's what I should be doing. But I don't always follow the instructions. I don't know about you, but I fail all the time. I don't always follow the instructions. I want to give you an example of that. I have four kids, right? And you have to entertain the kids. You have to keep them entertained, otherwise they'll burn your house down. If I leave my two little ones there, we can leave our, old, our, our youngest son there, but if you leave them with Annie, our youngest daughter, we, they will burn the house down. So one year, we took them to what's called the Grand Resort down in Phoenix. We stayed there three days. All it is is really a hotel, and it's a huge water park for the kids. Now, it's great for the kids. The parents are, we had little, little ones. Luke and Annie were still in diapers. But McKenna and Buddy, our oldest, they loved it, right? So there's pools all over the place. They have these, you know, these lazy rivers and these slides and whatnot. But there's pools all around the complex. So I, we, we did the park, and then we're like, well, let's go to the swimming pool. Okay, I'll tell you, let's go to the swimming pool. So I'm just relaxing in the pool. They're diving in and everything else, right? So my son, he says, Dad, teach us how to dive. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I can teach you how to dive. I'm six feet tall, about, and the pool is five feet deep right? There's signs all over the place that say, don't dive. No diving. Well, that doesn't apply to me, right? The instructions. Oh, I'm good. I know, I know myself better than this. 
I'm good. That's not talking about me. Because when I was a little kid, I used to be on a dive team. I was, I'm good. So I, st- I got out of the pool. I got to the side. And what am I standing on? I'm standing on this beautiful marble, right, at the edge. And it says, no diving. No diving. I'm standing right there. Well, that doesn't apply to me. I know what's better for my life, not some attorney who says, hey, we're not liable when you break your neck. Right? There's some instruction. So I dive in. Beautiful swan dive. I enter the water. I, you know, I break the plane. I'm pulling up. My eyes are closed because, you know, I don't want to see the concrete coming. And sure enough, bam. I hit my head so hard on that concrete, I split it wide open. I come up. Now, granted, my, my oldest kids at this time, if I was unconscious, my kids wouldn't even been able to get me out of the pool. They wouldn't have been strong enough. So I didn't listen to the instructions. I paid the price. I was not the leader that my kids needed me to be at that point in time. I'm like, yeah, I can teach you how to dive. Don't worry about all this telling you not to do it. I know what's best myself. I'll figure it out on my own. And I'll dive in. Watch me. So not only was I going to dive in, I was going to have my kids diving in too. Well, that's real smart too. Right? So I paid the price. Sometimes we know what the instructions are and we choose not to follow them. We need to follow them. That's what they're here for. We need to get into the word. Next thing I want to share with you is Jesus Christ makes us godly leaders. He's the one that makes us into the godly leaders that we are. In my life, I continue to remind myself that Jesus Christ is at work, thankfully, because I'm still pressing on towards that goal. I'm not there. I'm not going to be there for a while, but I'm pressing on towards that goal. And Jesus Christ is at, is at work. Sometimes I throw the instructions aside Most of the time, I try to adhere to them because that's what brings me closer to him. And when I don't, I instantly recognize I'm off course, and sometimes it does take the bottom of a pool to wake me up a little bit, you know, to keep me on path. But the the second element we must understand if we hope to become more like Christ, and eventually a leader for Christ, is understanding we are dependent on the spiritual work which changes us into the image of, of Christ. We're dependent on the spiritual work which changes us into the image of Christ. It's not a work from us. It is a spiritual work that takes place in your life through the Holy Spirit. It makes you, changes you to the person that Christ wants you to be. That's what helps us press on towards that goal. It's that and the comforting, the comforting words that Christ gives us. The whole heroes of faith cheering us on. Because think of it. If we had the heroes of faith here, which scripture says they are cheering us on, you have people like Noah, Abraham, Peter, Paul, John, cheering you on going, you know what? Keep going. It's, it's totally worth it. It's totally worth it. Keep pressing on towards the prize. Keep pressing on towards the prize. But we have to let the Spirit dwell richly in us. 
Our Lord Jesus Christ wants to conform you into his image and use you to reach the lost and edify, encourage, and lead believers. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men, is what he said. Follow me. I will make you fishers of men. Here's the thing. God does not expect you to be perfect. God does not expect you to be perfect in this endeavor. He knows our face is going to hit the bottom of the pool. Can you imagine the heroes of faith, the heroes of faith right then and there at the pool? Going, oh man, Jeff, come on. This is not going to be good. You're going to have to get stitches. Your kids are going to cry. Right? You're going to go up to the hotel room and then you're really going to get it. <laughs> Which I did. Because <laughs> my wife is up there with the little ones. I walk through the door. She's like, what in the world did you do? Oh, what do you say? <laughs> I got attacked. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> she still doesn't know she's in there, so you can't tell her. Just kidding. God does not expect us to be perfect. Look at First Timothy chapter 1, 15. It states, it is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners, among whom I am foremost of all. That's the Apostle Paul. The one who wrote most of the New Testament. He looked at himself as, I am the chief sinner in this world. I constantly do the things that I shouldn't do. And I don't do the things that I should do. I am horrible. I feel like that a lot. But I have the Holy Spirit. I have the heroes of faith going, you know what? It's okay. Because we're going to leave that behind now. We're going to forget about that. You've been forgiven as far as the east is from the west. And we're going to press on. We're going to move forward. He does expect you to be faithful in that endeavor. Acts chapter 26 verse 18 states, To open their eyes in order to turn them from the darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Move from darkness to light. Paul was a great leader for us. Because he was not perfect. He wasn't saying, hey, I'm perfect. I have this figured out. Follow me. No, he said, I'm imperfect. I'm imperfect. Imitate me as we move forward together in this life. We'll move forward. We'll make some of the same mistakes. And you know what? I'm going to help you through some of the mistakes I've already made. Imitate me. I'm imperfect. We'll move forward. We'll follow Christ together. Those are the leaders that you need. Those are the leaders that care about you, that have character in their life, who don't try to say that they're perfect. Oh, I'm perfect. I can do anything. I'm not, you know. No, it's the people that are imperfect, and you move forward. You want somebody, if you're going to go climb Mount Everest, you want somebody who's never climbed it before to guide you? No. You want one of those serpents that's done it about a billion times. I want them to show me, hey, yeah, don't step there. We stepped there last year, and it was ugly. Step here, climb here, put your foothold here. It's strong. 
God knew that as a young homicide detective, that's what I needed to get me on path because I had already been saved. I just wasn't walking according to the word and I wasn't walking the way he wanted me to walk. And he used Ted as a two by four. And he says, look at it. Listen, I am sovereign. You are mine. So we're going to move forward together and I'm going to use Ted to wake you up a little bit. And that's what happened. But I want you to remember God is always there for us. Always there for us. I want to share with you 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 15 through 17. One of my favorite illustrations that God gives us. I have to set this up a little bit for you. Here the king of Aram was attacking Israel. And he was getting frustrated because one of God's prophets, Elijah, kept giving away his position. And when I was in the army, I was what's called a cavalry scout. So this really speaks to me because that's what we did. We set up listening posts and observation posts and watched the enemy and said, hey, they're over here. You need to move your forces over here. So every time King Aaron put his forces, someone Elijah said, hey, they're over in that valley. Go get them over there or stay away from here. Right? Second Kings chapter six, verse 15 through 17 shows how Aram, the king of Aram got really upset. And he says, you know what? We're going to go get Elijah. I'm tired of that guy. So he sends his whole army to go and capture that one person. It says, now when the attendant of the man of God had risen early and gone out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was circling the city to come get Elijah. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? So he answered, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elijah prayed and said, O Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around him. Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with him. Right? Do you have that peace and comfort that comes with that? The Holy Spirit in your life that says, don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about tomorrow. I got you. I got you. Just press on. Let's just go. I promise you that those who are for you outnumber Satan's followers. Don't worry about that. I'm with you. That's the kind of leader that we need in our life. That's the kind of person that you need to tell you, hey, don't worry about today. I promise you it'll be here tomorrow. And we will get through it together. And we will press on. And when you stumble, I'll pick you back up. I'll cheer you on. Or if I need to, I know where the two by four is. I know where the bottom of that pool is. We'll wake you up. That's the leader I need in my life. That's the leader you need in your life. And that's the leader that the Lord wants you to be for him, to glorify him, to spread his gospel. Where do we go to find these leaders? You've seen them in your life. You've seen them in your work. As you look at their life and you look at the character of their life, you'll identify them. Here in the church, there are elders. They're your pastors. They're Pastor Clovis. They're our elder elder that we like to call him in the meetings, our chief elder. He's our elder elder elder. (laughs) Stan, right? 
He is the ordained individual, the foreordained individual that God had, has already decided to bring here for Cornerstone. Trust me when I say this. We will not thwart God's plan for this church family. We will press on. And God will use this church family and this community as he has in seasons past for the seasons to come. And the search committee has got it down to three and God knows exactly who that man is going to be that comes here to be the godly leader that we need for us to press on into this new season. I'm excited. I don't know about you guys. But I'm excited not only because of that, because I know what God does in my life. And if I trust him, then I abide in him and I walk in him, everything else will fall into line. Amen? So just pray for your staff here. Pray for the godly leaders that we have. Pray for this new season coming up, because it's going to be a good one. Pray for Pastor Clovis as he continues to take the mission trip to Africa and takes those godly leaders to another continent for the glory of Christ. Those are the people that we need in our lives. Those are the people that you need to be for somebody else. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this church family. Thank you for the leaders that you've placed before us. Thank you for what you have done in us and through us. Lord, we want to become more like you with each and every day. We want to become more holy. The only way for us to do that, Lord, is to know who you are, to cling to you, to rely upon you. We thank you, Lord, for the instruction that you give us in the word. We just ask that you remind us to unsheathe that sword and move forward in this life with your instruction. I thank you, Lord, for this family here, this family of believers. I thank you for the encouragement they give me. I thank you for the encouragement they give each other. I pray, Lord, that your hand would have a mighty impact on this community through Cornerstone. We love you, Lord. We know that you're cheering us on. We know that you place people in front of us to cheer us on as we move forward and press on towards that goal. That goal is you. I ask you, Lord, that if there's anybody in our life that you have brought before us, whether it's here in this church, whether it is at work or in the community, that we would recognize that, that we would take that opportunity to share your gospel and be that godly leader that you are making us to be. I thank you, Lord, and I thank you for this church. In Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the audio from Cornerstone Church in Prescott, Arizona. For more information, visit us online at www.prescottcornerstone.com.